welcome to the Spire Side Chat. I'm Anthony Smith, Chief Economist here at FreightWaves. And of course, this is the Enterprise Fleet Summit. And I am excited about this next guest. I have a guru in all things safety and DOT and compliance. I have the one, the only, Brandon Wiseman. He is the president over at TruckSafe and partner at Childers Law as well. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. Glad to be here, Anthony. Thanks for having me. So, Brandon, it's been, of course, I always have to say a, a wild last two years or so within this industry. And one of the big things that's always going to be a constant is going to be around safety and compliance. And really, that's a mainstay, like relationships within freight is a mainstay. That safety aspect is also a mainstay. Have you seen any shifts or trends that started to develop over the last couple of years that really weren't present before the pandemic? Yeah, I think one of the big trends that I've seen over the past couple of years, particularly right around when COVID first hit and everything was on lockdown, was an uptick, significant uptick in offsite DOT audits. So historically, for years and years and years, the DOT has primarily done compliance reviews where it comes in and looks at your, if you're a regulated motor carrier, they'll come in and look at your records and stuff like that. Historically, those were done primarily on site. Uh, they would come to your place of business. They would knock on the door. That's one knock on the door that you don't ever want to get, but they would knock on the door. They would spend the next day, two days, week, three weeks with you digging through your files. And so obviously when COVID shut everything down in uh, early 2020, it just wasn't an option anymore. And so they had to pivot and they were kind of, you know, starting to do this already even before COVID, but COVID really it was the big impetus here. And they started doing more and more of these offsite and that has continued for the last several years. Now it's, it's, um, it, it's a pretty frequent occurrence where the FMCSA will, will do an offsite audit where they contact you via email or phone or whatever, and they tell you they want to see certain records and then you have to upload them electronically to your safety measurement system account. And then they will look at them offsite. Nobody ever shows up to your door. And then they will still do the same methodology, safety rating methodology when they're looking at those records. But yeah, that's been a significant development. I think over the last few years, it's, it's allowing the agency, it seems like, to, uh, to get out and, and look at the compliance records of a lot more carriers than it had the capacity to do before that. Definitely seems like uh, one of those things where technology just kind of forced some efficiency throughout the times that we were going through. Um, Brandon, one of the things that kind of pops up in my mind are really regulations that started to maybe be eased a bit throughout the pandemic. And you started to think, okay, things like hours of service that kind of got um, relaxed throughout some parts of it and then maybe put back in place and things like that. We're looking at different regulations within the industry. Are there ever any things that you see as, okay, this is something that is truly for safety or something that can be lax? Are there ever any of those gray areas that kind of come about? Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned hours of service because that, in my view at least, uh, looking at this both from a DOT compliance standpoint, you know, there's always two buckets of exposure that I'm looking at in my capacity as a lawyer on the one hand and a DOT consultant on the other. You got sure you got the DOT issues. You're always worried about things going bad in an audit or a roadside inspection, and maybe the truck gets shut down for a little bit. Or in a DOT audit, you know, DOT certainly has the uh, authority to shut your entire fleet down if they find systemic problems with your compliance. But that's really not my biggest concern. My biggest concern is on the other side of things, the highway accident exposure side of things. Because as we know, in this industry, all it takes is one bad accident. And we're seeing this 
tremendous uptick in these nuclear verdicts where, you know, uh, I think in 2010, the average verdict size against a trucking company, um, was like $2 million. Now, fast forward to 2020 around that time. And I think the average has risen to like $22 million average verdict size against a trucking company in one of these highway accidents. So those are the two types of exposure that I'm always looking at. And to your question, what types of issues or what types of regulatory compliance issues really contribute to, to both of those and really uh, increase your exposure? I think it's hours of service issues. And it has been for many, many years. That's something that most fleets in the country, uh, virtually every fleet in the country has some level of hours of service problems. And obviously the point of the hours of service rules is to minimize fatigue driving. We don't want drivers out there operating large trucks and buses if they're too tired to do so that we know from the data that that leads to a tremendous amount of crashes and serious crashes. And so the hours of service rules are intended to minimize the occurrence of that. And getting control of your driver's hours of service just seems to be a huge struggle for all fleets. And my concern over COVID, you mentioned this, was there was somewhat of a relaxation for certain fleets of those hours of service rules for a certain amount of time frame. There was a COVID-related exemption that the FMCSA granted to carriers that were assisting in the emergency relief efforts. So in other words, they're transporting critical supplies or testing supplies, that type of stuff. In my experience, a lot of fleets took advantage of that exemption, and it was a pretty broad exemption at, at first. At first, it was an exemption from several different components of the, the safety regulations, driver qualification type things even. As we moved along, as we progressed further into COVID and over the last year or so, it, it transitioned into strictly an hours of service exemption. The idea being that maybe we, we relax these rules a little bit to make sure that we have enough drivers out on the road to get these critical supplies to where they need to go. But my concern there is even if the rules technically are relaxed for you as the carrier in this instance, and then you have one of those driver, one of your drivers operating under that exemption, and now he's out there fatigued, sure, technically he's lawful under the regulations, but if he goes and kills somebody because he falls asleep at the wheel or something, how do you think that's going to play on the other side of things in the highway accident litigation that's going to stem from so those hours of service rules for, for many reasons seem to be a thorn in many fleet sides. And I think it's something that if I'm a fleet, that's one of the things that I'm going to prioritize is the first thing that I need to get under control if I don't have an under control. I think those are some, some great points there, Brandon, of course. And you mentioned sleep, and this is one of those things that when I first got into the industry, I found out was just so incredibly important. And it makes all the sense in the world. You get a good night's rest. You're much more alert. You make faster decisions. You make better decisions. You're just more cognitively stable there. When you're looking at that driver's sleeping patterns or being able to get to sleep at a regular hour, whatever their circadian rhythm might be, um, one of the big things that a lot of Americans have started to really start to use over the last couple of years have been, of course, CBD, sleep aids, things like that. Could this be something that could find a way into the industry for drivers? Or is this something that you think, you know, of course, with drug testing is just going to eliminate it altogether? Yeah, CBD has been an interesting issue, uh, probably one of the more pressing issues over the last couple of years, just because, as you mentioned, it's becoming more and more prominent in our society. Um, more and more people are learning about CBD and using it for various things, you know, pain relief, sleeping, um, that type of stuff. And the interesting thing about CBD is um, you know, it's virtually, it's lawful in virtually every state in the country, CBD. 
uh, as opposed to marijuana, which is lawful in some states for various purposes, medicinal purposes or recreational in some states. And we know in this industry and in, in transportation that the DOT has taken a hard stance on marijuana, right? So even though it may be lawful in a particular state, if you are an interstate regulated truck driver or bus driver, it is unlawful for you to use marijuana, even if it's legal in your state. If you go and test positive for marijuana on a on a federally required DOT drug test, you're going to be out of the business. You're going to be out of the seat. No more driving for you. Uh, until you go through the return to duty process. So with CBD, you know, it's a, kind of a cousin to marijuana. It's derived from the same plant. Um, it, it's just a level of the the content of the, the THC is different between THC being the psychoactive compound that causes the high effect in marijuana. Um, with CBD, it's supposed to be less than 0.3% THC content. But the problem we have is that there is no one really overseeing the manufacturer of CBD, no federal agency that really oversees that. It's not like the Food and Drug Administration is currently, you know, watching over the manufacturers of CBD and, and, and enforcing any rules related to the representations that they make. So the problem we have, we've seen this play out in, in cases across the country, is that CBD manufacturers, since they're not being held to any standards, are advertising their product as containing little to no THC and they're doing that to, to ease the concerns of people who might be taking it. They're thinking, okay, the package says it contains no THC. There's no risk of me testing positive for marijuana on, on a drug test if I take this stuff. And it turns out those representations are false in some cases. And, and we've seen this, like I said, play out. Drivers take CBD based on the representations made by the manufacturers thinking, well, I'm going to be okay. And then they go test positive for marijuana on a DOT drug test. And guess what? DOT doesn't care what the rationale was uh, for that positive test. If you test positive on that test, you are out of a driving job for the time being. So that's the thing. Um, that's the thing I say to all the fleets we work with is for right now, until we get a handle on this from a regulatory standpoint, I think CBD use among commercial drivers is just too risky of a prospect. It's definitely going to be interesting to see how this progresses in the future, maybe five, 10, even 15 years from now. We'll see how it all evolves. And, and Brandon, we're looking at fleets. Of course, this is the Enterprise Fleet Summit here. Um, what are going to be some of those challenges that you see are going to be more impactful or more pressing for enterprise fleets compared to potentially smaller fleets or owner operators? Well, I, obviously the size. So as you grow your fleet, uh, more money, more problems, right? So you've, you've got more drivers to deal with and all of a sudden, you know, things that may have been a little bit easier for a smaller fleet managing driver files, for example, making sure all your drivers have the required stuff in their files, up-to-date med cards, up-to-date licenses. Well, you get to a certain point where, you know, maybe you had one person kind of overseeing that in the past, but now all of a sudden that one person is, is quickly overwhelmed. It doesn't take many drivers in your fleet to get to a point where you are overwhelmed with all of the things that you are expected to do from a regulatory standpoint. And so I think that's the biggest thing for enterprise fleets is just making sure you've got the systems and the processes in place to manage all of this DOT regulatory compliance. If you don't have those processes in place, it's very quickly going to manifest in violations and roadside inspections. And then the more violations you get during roadside inspections, the higher you are on the prioritization list for a DOT audit and the bigger target you have on your back for, uh, for plaintiffs, for the plaintiff's bar, 
uh, God forbid, one of those drivers gets involved in a, a serious accident. So I think that that's the biggest thing you need to worry about as you're starting to grow your fleet and becoming one of these uh, larger fleets is, do I have the team in place? Do I have the systems in place? Do I have the processes in place to manage the stuff? And if you don't, that's foundational stuff that you need to get taken care of before you, uh, you continue to grow. Uh, I mean, that's a great point, especially making sure that you have that foundation set. And when we're looking at compliance teams, of course, they can be prepped, they can be ready, they can really be on it. But there's this is always like an ever-changing market. You see that there's a new change, a new ruling, a new stance on something. And you have to make sure that your entire fleet is compliant and ready to go. What are some of your tips that you have potentially for enterprise fleets, compliance departments on getting trained up? quickly and not really being caught behind the curve here. You know, the, so when it comes to training specifically, this is actually one of the things that prompted me to start TruckSafe. It's uh, what I viewed as a, a relative lack of good training materials out there for safety managers, folks that are, you know, charged with complying with these regulations and making sure that their fleet is in compliance. So I, uh, I left the law firm that I was at for many years to start TruckSafe and to develop that type of training. I think it is necessary for uh for safety managers to ensure they are completely up to speed on the current status of the of the regulations as you said things are always changing you know there you have this in various industries as lawyers we have to take continuing legal education to make sure that we are consistently up to speed on legal developments Uh, if you're if you're a trucking company there should be something similar to that it's not like these are static regulations sure they don't change all that much from year to year but there are changes and as you said there, you know, the FMCSA is looking at different, uh, different parts of the rules in different ways. They are issuing guidance consistently on how to interpret these regulations. And if you're not staying up to speed on that, then you're just going to find yourself in a hole uh, later, later on down the line. So um, I think it is critically important that your safety team, your entire safety team is being continuously educated on various aspects of compliance. Um, you know, wherever you get your training, I'd love for you to get it from us, but you know, shameless plug there. But anyway, uh, I think that is critically important. And then the other thing is the, the importance of being, uh, of proactively monitoring your fleet's compliance. I found that, that not enough fleets do this. You know, there's no shortage of compliance metrics that are, that are telling a story about how compliant your fleet is, how, how well are your drivers following the rules? How well is your equipment being maintained. That's all filtering into various systems. You know, CSA scores are the, are probably the most popular one, but then you've got out of service rates. You've got the inspection selection system. You've got safety ratings. You've got accident rates. All of these things are, are publicly available. And there are a lot of stakeholders in our industry that are looking at your data and making decisions about you. The DOT is looking at the data to determine whether they want to audit you. Your customers may be looking at the data to determine whether they want to do business with you. Your insurer is looking at it to set your insurance premiums. The plaintiff's bar is looking at it when you get involved in an accident. Everybody is looking at it. If you are not looking at it, then you are behind the eight ball because you're just a target for all of those. So you really need to be proactive. Number one, make sure you know what the data sources are and what your data is saying about you. And then you can't stop there. You got to take it the next step. You got to if the data is trending in the wrong direction, say you've got a high occurrence of hours of service violations, for example, 
Once you know that, now it's time to get control of that so that you don't have that target on your back continuously. So being proactive, monitoring your safety metrics, and then doing something to buck the negative trends is really the, the name of the game. And Brandon, I think we could do a complete second part on this, just going over some of those KPI metrics. But thank you so much for joining me today and sharing some of your insights. And of course, for those watching that maybe want to get more of your insights or get in touch with you, how can you do that? Yeah, trucksafe.com is our website. We've got a ton of DOT compliance related content there. We also do our own podcast called TruckSafe Live. So yeah, reach out and uh, love to talk to you. Awesome. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. And thank you all so much for tuning in. And we have more Enterprise Freight Summit coming up next.